What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Dire Need of Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Dyer, and today I am joined by special guest, my good friend, Walker. Dude, thank you so much for being my first guest on the pod. You will be a feature, a consistent feature on this pod, but thank you for joining me today. What's up, man? How are you? Good. Doing well. Happy New Year to you and your family. And yeah, dude, just excited to get going. Excited to, to, to talk some sports today. Yeah, super excited. I feel like this has been a long time coming for you. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for joining. And uh, just check the uh, the Chelsea score. Sorry to see. To see we'll talk about to, it later. To two nil, <laughs> but uh, hey, this will be a good break from watching that uh, watching that mess. Um, but yeah, dude, thanks for joining again and. You know, a little bit about what's going on here. We're going to be uh, just talking sports. We're going to start with a little college football. You know, that's the big topic of the of the week um, with the college football playoff and all the bowl games that have been happening. And then we'll dive into a little bit of Premier League talk. You know, we haven't talked Prem in a while. Um, and then we'll. I want to wrap up with a little NBA, a little NBA rundown. Got a couple thoughts. But Walker, let's go ahead and get some get started here. Bowl games, bowl season. Yesterday was. Super exciting. The day before New Year's Eve was also very exciting. Uh, just give me one, uh, one or two kind of just thoughts on the past two days of college football. Um, I would. My first thought is the past two days of college football have been way better than however many previous days <laughs> made up of all the bowl games because they've been awful. Uh, a lot of lackluster games. You know how this is every year, right? Like it, it seems that. Some teams really care. Some teams don't care, especially for those early in bowl season games, right? Like Christmas Eve, the 27th, the 28th, you know, there's not a lot to play for. So it's kind of hit or miss. Once you get, though, to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, the the stakes are higher. And like you mentioned, I think we both agree the games were tremendously better, Uh, both – well, even the the semifinals, which we'll talk about here shortly, I know they were – you know, not super close, but I at least found those more entertaining than, than a lot of the early things. And of course, yesterday, you know, you had the Oklahoma State come back, you had the Ohio State come back, and of course, you know, your, your Baylor Bears getting a big win last night. So, yeah, it, it, bowl season really seems to pick it up and, and start mattering when uh, a lot more on the line in these New Year Six bowls. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and talk about. We got the first of the college football playoff games, Alabama versus Cincy. Um, Cincinnati, first time a non-Power 5 team, you know, has made the college football playoff. Super, you know, big props to them. Great season. They went undefeated in the, you know, the regular season there. And going into it, my big question, you know, was, you know, do, do they even stand a chance coming up against the powerhouse, the consistent threat of Alabama um, you know, Alabama going into the playoff here, you know, people were kind of doubting them a little bit, you know, especially going into that SEC championship game. You know, actually everybody, but you Walker, you were, <laughs> you, I, I, you know, definitely remember you saying, you know, do not doubt, you know, do not discredit Alabama. They're going to go into this hungry. And, and then they did, and they whooped up on Georgia. But, um, before that, I felt like people were kind of sleeping on Bama, which I don't know how, I don't know why, but um, they just proved themselves in this game. And yeah, Cincinnati, you know, great season, but not the toughest of competition. But Alabama took it to them, Walker. Well, going back to the Alabama point, you know, people are used to them blowing everyone out, you know, kind of being number one the whole time, taking care of business. You know, their season really doesn't start till, you know, November. Right, but I'm just looking back over this season, and you know they had to win a close one at Florida. You know, Dan Mullen gets fired. You know, Florida not great. Um, they lose on the road at a you know pretty good Texas A&M team, but a Texas A&M team that you know had already had a loss to Mississippi State, which didn't look great at home. Um, the, the LSU game was close. Of course, LSU unranked, not super great this year. And then the big one being, you know, what, what were they down 10 to three, I think, with a minute and change to go on the road at Auburn and mm-hmm. hadn't been able to do anything all year. And uh, and so a lot of their games were close. Even, oh, and the Arkansas game was, was a touchdown game. And so just not the typical Alabama. 
But my big point that you mentioned was, well, number one, you know, the 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 sheer number of people, and maybe it's because I live in Georgia and are, are around <laughs> a lot of Georgia fans, but the sheer number of people that just thought they were going to walk into to Mercedes Benz and just roll Alabama when you know they forget that Alabama plays there every year, right? Yep. Like yep. their guys know what it's like. And going back to the point, yes, they've played in a lot of close games, but they've been tested all season. You know, Georgia wasn't tested one time. Mm-hmm. I don't even count the first week against Clemson. They won on a pick six. The offense was terrible. That was, you know, feels like years ago. Yeah. And so they just weren't tested. And so I, I, I thought that the SEC championship game would be really close. Of course it wasn't. And uh, in this game, I think we all knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to Cincinnati because I don't know that many teams in any conference – we're going to play Alabama close, you know. So, although, yes, it may look bad on the Power Five or non-Power Five, I, I, but I don't know that, you know, many teams are really going to give Alabama much of a game. Yeah, no, I completely agree that the, the SEC West was, you know, consider, considerably stronger than the than the East there, I feel. And, Georgia, like you said, Georgia just wasn't tested during the regular season much, and Alabama was. And in the game, you know, going into the game, I, I, I highlighted in our notes here, you know, Bryce Young, Heisman winner. Um, could he do what, um, you know, the likes of Joe Burrow, Winston, uh, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton did in the past and win both the Heisman and the national championship, right? And, you know, to do that, you have to get past his first semifinal. And um, he looked good, but he, he really – it was really – the running game that really set right. the tone, right? Brian Robinson Jr. I'm uh, looking up the stats here. 26 carries, 204 yeah. yards. Like, dude was an absolute workhorse. Um, and then follow that up with Trey Sanders, 14 carries, 67. Good production there from him too. Like, you know, Bryce Young only had to throw the ball 17 times, completed it for 181 yards. Yeah, he threw three touchdowns. Um, but just kind of managed the game, typical Alabama style. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati – Praised for their defense, great defense, but uh, Alabama was just a little bit too much. That strong attack on the run was a little too much for Cincinnati to handle. Well, that's really where the difference is, right, between these big schools and and maybe a non-power five. It's it not it's not necessarily that Cincinnati doesn't have talent, but the difference is really made on the offensive and defensive line. And so, you know, it was going to be really tough for Cincinnati to match what Alabama will be able to do up front on both sides of the ball. And, and you mentioned we saw that um, – you know, Bama just absolutely dominated in the run game. Yeah. And then looking at Cincinnati's rushing, I mean, I guess the one guy had 77 yards for five yards to carry, but, you know, they were, they were playing uphill all game. And so back to your point about Bama, you're right. They just do what they need to do, you know, get Cincinnati, you know, let's manage the game. Let's run it down their throat and play good defense. You know, the SEC yeah. championship, Georgia's front seven's awesome. We're going to sling it around the yard. So, We'll see what happens when they match up against uh, with Georgia again. Um, I will be interested to see if they kind of go with the same game plan, um, especially you know with Mechie out and Georgia more time to plan for them. I know we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. I guess. Yeah. No, completely agree. And then last last note about this game, I, I want to give a shout out to Desmond Ritter. You know he didn't have the best game. Seventeen completions out of thirty-two for one hundred forty-four yards, no touchdowns. But you know I think. Can correct me if I'm wrong, but third most wins maybe in FBS history. I think I saw that on the telecast. Yeah. Um, just you know, a solid, great player. You know, solid season and solid you know career there at Cincinnati. And you know, I just want to give a shout out to him just because you know I, I liked him a lot going into it. I, I thought that he could sling the ball around and throw the rock, but uh, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, they, they, look, they came out of the gates moving it well, right? Like that yeah. first drive, they you know, Alabama scored and Cincinnati answered right back and just got down there in the red zone and couldn't punch it in. That kind of set the tone. So right. um, you're right, though. Just an awesome college player. I mean, you have these guys, right, in college. Mm-hmm. That they're just so fun to watch. I mean, it seems like it happens in football, basketball. You know, maybe they're not the high, highest, you know, talented prospects at the next level. Um, but, but yeah, he was a, just an awesome college player to watch. Yep, absolutely. And um, let's move on, man. Let's, let's talk a little Georgia, Michigan. Now, this was the one that I felt like going into it was going to be the closer matchup. Um, it was not, <laughs> it, it wasn't, you know, uh, I liked Michigan, uh, going in probably just because of you know, new, new school, uh, just, just to compete a little bit more. I don't know, just new yeah. school into the college football playoff, you know, I, I feel like for some reason to me, Michigan just kind of has a, a buzz about them whenever they're even in basketball. Like I always like kind of 
maybe mm-hmm. rooting for the Wolverines, maybe because I just don't like Ohio State and their big rivals. But sure. um, yeah. you know, I, I kind of I wanted Michigan to to show us something. Um, and then obviously Georgia coming off, you know, a big, big loss in the SEC championship game really hadn't been tested before that. You know, I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. But, oh, man, Georgia just Dominant. took it to them early to that first half, outscoring them 27 to three. Like, just dominant, yeah. like you said. I mean, the game was over, right? Like, it felt like it was over at the end of the first quarter, honestly. Um you know, Cade McNamara never should get it going. I mean, he completed 11 of his 19 passes for 100 yards. You know, they tried to bring in, I think, J.J. McCarthy is his name, who was a number two dual threat coming in last year, which not a bad idea, right? A guy that can run as well. Maybe it gives you a little bit different look. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the story all year. It's Georgia's defense. And although their offense put up a lot of points, I mean, you could make a big argument. You know, that's because of what the defense did and in the position they put them in. So it's going to be really fun to watch. But what, what, what did you think about, you know, there's a lot of argument between like will Kirby stick with Stetson Bennett? Should he go back to JT Daniels? And like, I mean, I, it, it seems like he made the right decision, right? Sticking with Stetson Bennett. Oh yeah. Stetson Bennett finished 313 yards, three TDs, you know, only no picks. Yeah. No picks. Big, big thing there. No picks. And they needed to take care of the ball. Um, and 20 of 30 passing, like he had a solid game. And um, so I think it was obviously justified the decision to stick with Bennett there. Um, you know, they, they didn't really, need to do much in the ground game i mean they kind of spread it around pretty evenly yep. you know a yep. lot of uh, a lot of different backs there that you know was able to do some things there and then going into it walker you know i asked you like who are we looking at for georgia like who is going to be their their guy that that could be a, a game changer and i believe we, we said george pickens you know the, the wide out there well, coming he back could have been right but yeah coming yeah. back from the acl injury you know hey he could be a game changer he's had really good bowl games in the past I, I know when he played Baylor, he had a good bowl game, had over 100 yards receiving uh, two years ago. But anyway. it doesn't seem like he's fully healthy, though. You know, we thought yeah. maybe he's, he's better after this long layoff, but it, it just he's hardly in the game. You know, so it's hard to impact it. But they really didn't need. I mean, it just no, they had they no. have they have talent at the wide receiver position. You know, Cook had over 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, Bowers had five receptions and a touchdown. Like they they just spread mm-hmm. it around really consistently, and it was uh, impressive to watch. Yeah, Brock's gonna be a problem. Brock Bowers, I mean, he's just a freshman. And, you know, Georgia, you know, they feel a lot like Iowa and that they always have good tight ends. So, I mean, that kid's going to be – he's going to be a problem for many, many years. He'll be playing in the pros for sure. And one thing I wanted to, to, to talk about too is, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, I believe, finished second in the Heisman. Yep. And, you know, a lot of talk about him coming in and just, you know, him willing Michigan. I mean, which, to his credit, like he has, right, this year. And he's, he's been absolutely incredible. But kept very quiet, you know, yes. only – only had four four tackles. Um, he did have one tackle for loss, but but of course no sacks, and and that's the story. I mean, Michigan, you know, no sack, no sacks across the board. Yep. Um, I think across the whole game, they only had a total of two tackles for loss, um, which of course much of the game being being out of hand. So you know that's the story for me. Again, it's similar to Bama just dominating Cincinnati in the trenches. I mean, Georgia did the same thing to Michigan, which is even more impressive, right? Because Michigan much more formidable formidable of an opponent, very physical. And uh, how many times do we see in sports? It's just about getting hot at the right time, and that's the definition of Michigan. Um, you know, smoking Ohio State and then winning the Big Ten really big. And they couldn't have been riding any higher, honestly, coming in. And so that's that's tough for their fan base to, you know, I feel for those people that are traveling down there, right? It's been several years since Michigan's played in a game like this and you're finally back, you're riding a high, you're, you know, you get Georgia instead of Bama, you feel great. And then <laughs> to walk into a bus hall like that was really, really interesting to me. So, yeah. And then, you know, Georgia had something to prove. They, they, they kind of got a little humiliated a point. Uh, yep. against yep. Bama in the championship game for the SEC there. And, you know, they wanted to go out and, and get back to that game and, and, try to get a little revenge in the championship game. So they, they had something to prove going in. But um, that, that reminds yeah, me, Nicobe Dean, you know, they're all-American linebacker. It's going to be a high pick in the draft. They were talking about him before the game, and, and he said, you know, in this sport, in college football, you rarely get second chances. You know, usually mm-hmm. if you lose, you're kind of done. And he said, but we have a second chance, and you're exactly right. And then last thing I want to touch on Michigan before we move on to the championship game here. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of – Finally got over that that hurdle of Ohio State, right? He finally yep. got the win against them. Finally. Led the Wolverines to a very successful season, you know, college football playoff berth. You know, good momentum going into the next year, right? And it just, you know, you, you 
you know, you expect Michigan, I think, to continue to develop on this success and, and uh, go into next year, you know, hungrier than ever. So um, props to, to Harbaugh there for finally getting over the hump and winning the Big Ten and uh, getting to the playoff. But, you know, kind of sucks to, for them to go out like this. But uh, Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a huge swing, right, in that rivalry. I mean, Ohio State is – they're going to continue to be good. I just quickly pulled up the recruiting rankings for this year, and Ohio State is right back there at the top with the fourth class behind, of course, A&M, Bama, and Georgia, the top three classes, and then Ohio State. And it's according to 247 Sports. Michigan is ninth, though, so they're not far behind. Uh, fairly similar class. So hopefully something like this can help help swing the recruiting because we know in, in college, much more than the pros, you know, it seems like, you know, the teams with, with the talent are consistently there at the top. Um, yeah, it is good to see, though, because like you, you know, I'm sick of seeing Ohio State beat them every single – I think it was nine in a row or something like that, which it is insane. Crazy. It really is. Not much of a rivalry, you know, these past – this past decade, really, until this game. Um, but, hey, let's move on to this championship game. Um, wait, wait, wait. Uh, 2-2 halftime. Just want to let, let you know. Wait. Okay, Chelsea, <laughs> let's go. Who are the scorers? Uh, Kova Screamer on the volley and Pulisic. That's all I got for you. Apparently, we uh, missed a chance to go up 3 2 at the end. Yeah. So, anyway, we digress. We'll get back to that here in a second. Premier League talk coming up. Um, Alabama versus Georgia rematch of the SEC championship game. You know, we've already highlighted Alabama took it to Georgia. Walker, is it going to be a little bit of the same or is it going to be a, a better game, hopefully, this time? I expect it to be a better game. Yeah. I would lean Bama still. Um, Surprisingly to me, after Georgia uh, wrapped up their victory, the opening line was Georgia favored by two and a half. Wow. Um, I don't really understand that. Um, If I was a gambling man that lived in a gambling legal state, I would have (laughs) loved to have jumped all over that. Unfortunately, I am neither. Um, No, but – I expect a lot of the same. I, I do think that it will be a very much a closer game. But again, I think I think Bryce Young is just the difference, right? Because yeah. I think Bama can handle what Georgia will throw at them more than what more than Georgia being able to handle what Bama can can throw at them. I mean, Jamison Williams absolutely lit them on fire. And uh, I, I would expect a lot, a lot more of that. I, I don't see Bama's game plan changing too, too much. I mean, you would think Georgia would switch up how they're covering, but uh, in the end, look, man, I just I trust Nick Saban against his assistants. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I mean, Bryce is the coolest customer in all of college football, and he's shown that now. So that's where I, that's where I would lean. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Walk, you know, do not ever doubt Alabama. Nick Saban, yeah. they, they are going to be prepared coming into this game. They've already seen Georgia once before. They already took it to them. They're just going to want more of the same. Uh, I, I do expect a closer game. I expect Georgia to throw maybe some different looks at Bama, trying to mix things up. You know, they had that trick play. Uh, I believe the wide receiver threw it in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the game versus Michigan. So they, they might throw some, throw some stuff at yeah, Alabama. They probably have to. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to have to to try to, you know, create some chaos. But, again – Alabama has been here before. Like you said earlier, they, they, they are experienced. They know what to expect. And uh, they're the defending champs, man. They won the last year. And so I, I lean Alabama as well. But I just personally, I just want to see a good game. I want to see a game that I'm going to be entertained from start to finish. So, um, but hey, I think we're both pulling for, or not, we're both pulling for Bama, but we both expect Bama to win. I expect them to win. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to mention as well. I don't know the exact stat. I saw it a couple of days ago, and I just you know know from being a fan, you will too, that th- this is now something like 12 of 18 or something along those lines. It's well over 50% of these semifinals not being within 17 points. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> they all they – this is a topic for another day, but, you know, the whole let's expand the playoff further. You know, on one hand, I agree, right? Let's make it more fun. I mean, who doesn't love a larger bracket? But if one versus four and two versus three isn't competitive – then what on earth is, you know, if one and one two versus eight, like, be, what's, what's, or, yeah, yeah, sure, what's sure. three versus yeah. 12? I mean, like is, I mean, Georgia playing who, I don't know, like Michigan state. I, I don't know. The, the, come on. I, yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. And that's again, I, topic for another day. Like you said that we could talk for 20 minutes on that yeah. subject, but um, it really does, you know, prove that, you know, this one, two, three, and four is, you know, 
probably a a sweet spot maybe i don't know it's just it's tough because yes like you said you want to see more fun games but you don't want to see a one versus eight matchup when it's yeah. 56 and, and eventually seven. like there's just not enough time for like these for college football to you know how like how much longer can you go are you going to cut yeah. down on the regular season, I don't know. Again, well, topic and, for another day. <laughs> and plus, like you know, you have the the risk of injury, right? You know, if you're playing sure. more games, and these are these players going to want to commit three games. To, well, well, to well try, quickly try before before we move off of college football, I know yeah. we're dragging on here, but I mean, look at Matt Corral last night, exactly. right? And I totally agree with his decision to play. Like, I, I don't I don't agree at all with the hindsight. With this is why you don't play bowl games. I mean, this is what these guys love to do. It's just part of the game, yeah. right? I mean, look, if someone makes a decision not to play, if you're Kenny Pickett and you don't want to play in your bowl game, that's absolutely fine. But if you're Matt Corral and you're an Ole Miss legend and, you know, you've, you've been awesome for three years, you know, highly talented recruit, and you want to try to go win a Sugar Bowl and a top 10, you know, finish, that, that's huge. Like, why, why not play? And so I have, I have no issue, no issue with him playing last night. Yeah, agreed. All right, hey, that was about 20 minutes of college football talk. Um, good stuff, and uh, we're excited for the national championship game coming up. And uh, But, hey, let's move on. Let's, let's talk a little soccer. Let's talk a little football. Ooh, uh, soccer. European football. Um, mm. Premier League. You know, Walker and I, we're, we're both huge Prem fans. Um, Walker's team is Chelsea. My team is Tottenham. Um, and we actually we had a podcast that I believe Walker. I was thinking about this earlier. We we started like recording just for ourselves back. I think it was 2015, just to yeah. just to mess around and just talk soccer Crazy. on the official level, you know, just recorded level. But uh, so we've we've been doing this for a little bit. But um, so excited to keep this going. Um, but yeah, Premier League crazy season so far um with everything from covid to you know injuries to the three team title race now well, probably becoming one team right but <laughs> it's uh, only one yeah it's uh it's been a crazy season you know for the you know the spurs perspective opening up with three straight wins nuno getting manager of the month to yeah, losing three straight manchester city <laughs> manchester city week one yeah <laughs> right and then the complete opposite for like let's say arsenal losing their first three games then getting arteta out yeah and then catching fire and you know moving up to fourth where they're at right now you know yeah, it's been a crazy fire. season but uh let's talk a little soccer man let's start with manchester city though it you know Consistent. They they've been at the absolute probably the best team of the the prem for the past what three four years maybe even more. But yeah yeah as a whole I mean yeah, as a whole yeah other people that won titles you know whether it's Liverpool Chelsea or whoever it's been but yeah. but the, the the fact of the matter is Manchester City had the strongest squad yeah and you know as good of a manager as anyone I mean that's really a pick your poison I think there's probably three or four different people you can pick from yeah but Pep's up there and he's shown that multiple you know multiple clubs multiple you know trophies at each club and so it's no surprise to me in a year where you know, clubs are faced with a lot of challenge, um, whether it's congested fixture lists, you know, competing in a lot of competitions. And then, you know, the COVID curveball. You never know when your team is going to get bitten by it. And uh, we talk about this a lot. You know, how will the title race or just how will the places anywhere in the table, whether it's top four, whether it's relegation battle, how it will be shaped by who has a healthy squad. And so yeah. in your Manchester City, and you can dig as deep as they can, right? And there's a little bit, a little bit of luck involved, but I think overall they just have more quality across the pitch than anyone, and um, that's showing true this year. I mean, when you can splash a hundred million on a player that plays half the time, like Jack right. Grealish, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're, you're going to have a good squad. Um, yeah. So they are an absolute powerhouse. You know, well, they're just never they're, out of games, right? No. I mean, look at yesterday; they're down one 0 at Arsenal. Arsenal playing probably the best they've played all year. Yeah. Second half, uh, you know, Ake clears the ball off the line that Laporte had accidentally hit over Ederson's head. Martinelli misses a sitter to go up 2-0. And then moments later, um, you know, it's 1-1 and Arsenal are down to 10. And and then City get the win there at the, at the end. I mean, yeah. much – I mean, also like the Spurs performance yesterday. I mean, they just – they're never out of it. And uh, they have so much quality, you know, you can just – you can't let your foot off the gas against them. And no. um, looking at the last five games, I mean, they're five out of five wins. So, yeah. Yeah, they, they are – let's see. Let me pull up the table real quick. Um, they're, they're 10 points clear of the live table. So, Chelsea yeah. are sitting at 43 points. Again, 2-2 two, two at halftime with Liverpool right now. Um, Liverpool have a game in hand or 11 points behind the live table. So, I mean, it, I don't – 
I don't think anyone will catch them. Um, you know, 10 points clear at the Christmas break. I don't think anyone's ever let that up. So I don't expect them to. No, I mean, we fully expect City to go on and continue this form. And, dude, like their goal differential, 40 plus 40. Like 53 yeah. goals scored, only 13 conceded. Like they're just – they're unbelievable. And But, but could, we know their real goal is the Champions League, right? So that I was just about to hit that. The, the, the Prem, they've done it a few times now. Like the Champions League is their – kind of their curse right now, their kryptonite, right? They, they have not been able to get to that final stage and, and win it, right? So, um, Well, last season, I mean, I mean they were right there, yeah, yeah. heavily, heavily favored against us. And yeah. It, it, yeah, when it mattered, they couldn't get it done. Exactly. So um, that's going to be their defining – or their definition of success, right, if they can get that Champions League trophy uh, back to Manchester. Or to Actually, Manchester. who do they have? Oh, they have Sporting Lisbon in the knockout round. So that's that's good for them. Yeah. So, um, City, really good in the table. They're they're looking pretty. Um, but now let's let's uh let's move on, man. Uh, I I know that you uh you brought up Spurs a second ago about you know <laughs> their game yesterday and they're and them not really uh they're not never being out of it. But the thing is yeah. that that's something that has came honestly from Antonio Conte, right? Yep. Before that, you know, so we had Nuno for the first. I think maybe eight games of the season, I want to say, eight to ten. I don't even know. I, I try to forget that part of the season, to be honest. Um, but it was it was difficult. It had us really questioning, is it the players? Is it, you know, we need an absolute huge overhaul to, to have any sort of success? You know, we, we kind of saw that similar vibe around the team back when Mourinho was the manager, you know, Deli Ali, you know, Kane not being, you know, Kane not starting the season very well this year. And, um, you know, the likes of Ndombele and, you know, Ben Davies. Like, there's so many players I can go off down the list and list that, that, that people would just wanted out of the club, right? I talked to you, Walker. I wanted, uh, like, more than half of these guys out of the club. After mm-hmm. every single game, I would text you a list of players that I did not want to see yep. play in a Spurs uniform again. Winksy. Uh, Winksy. Thank you. I'm trying to think <laughs> Winks and uh, – Eric Dyer, right? Ben, ben but Davies. Ben, ben Davies. Da- yep, Ben Davies. Um, <laughs> all this to be said, Antonio Conte has been the best thing to have in the Spurs since I've been a fan. I, I firmly believe that. Um, Even the Pochettino almost won the title season? Um, I'm going to say yes, man, because, because... Because of where you could go. Because of where we could go. Pochettino, it was we were definitely punching above our, our, our weight class there with Pochettino. I felt like, I, I don't know. It just Antonio Conte is different, dude. He is an absolute serial winner. You know, his direct quote, I am a serial winner. He yeah. goes places. He wins. He, he's done that at Chelsea, Inter Milan, you know, here recently, like he, he is a winner and we've never had that really. And for him to come in and he has transformed this team. He has transformed the likes of Winks. Ben Davies, um, to just those are the first two that pop out of my head. Like Ben Davies is is playing center back, left center back, like really, really well. And I would have never thought I would have heard or said those words. And then you got the likes of Lucas Mora, who is now firing again, and um, Kane starting to get the ball rolling. Um, it, it's just Eric, Eric Dyer. I wanted to give a shout out to him like potential England call-up maybe for the World Cup. We'll see. Um, but anyways, just just I am so pumped about Antonio Conte being my manager. The thing is, though, we have to continue this. We have to invest. January window, it's difficult, but we need to bring a couple guys in. We need to freshen up things a little bit, and then in the summer, it's going to be huge. We need to bring in Antonio Conte's people. But He's done a really good job of molding and, and developing these players in the couple months that he's had so far with Spurs, the, the players that are already there. And so I'm just super pumped and excited uh, for the, what the future holds for Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for you because I know you've been up and down roller coaster ride, right? And just looking back at his career as a manager. So, yeah, multiple titles at Juventus, uh, a title at Chelsea, a title at Inter Milan. So he's won – Titles at three different clubs as well as cup competitions. Um, also was a Europa League runner-up with Inter Milan. So he is he's proven, right? And that's what you guys needed. You guys you needed someone to come in there with authority that knows how to get the best out of people. And you mentioned Ben Davies is one example, right? Playing right side center back. He did the same thing with Espelicueta. 
right? Like he, he had this vision for like a non-traditional center back that could, you know, bring the ball out and help yep. start attacks and give you that kind of additional deep-lying midfielder, could could play balls in kind of from that right channel, like crosses into the box. Um, you know, that's just one example of, of how good he is at managing his players. So, I mean, the thing with him, right, is you have to continue it because you mentioned he's a serial winner. He's going to do whatever it takes to win at all costs, and, and that can lead to a lot of budding budding heads. And, you know, he that has happened at places that he's been before. So, um, you, you know, hopefully Don P and, you know, <laughs> Levy and all these guys can – they can all kind of find that synergy together and continue on because there's a lot of momentum around Spurs right now. I, I think top four is well within reach. And I, I actually think that um, you can go higher than that. I think we're, we're really guilty of you know, deciding who's going to finish where, you know, two months into the season. Yeah. But if this game draws today, right, Chelsea, Liverpool, or no matter what direction it goes, let's say, let's say Chelsea lose, right. We'll be on 42 points. Y'all have, three games in hand and you're nine points back. So, I mean, in theory, right, you win all three, you're right there in third. So, yeah, this guy's the limit and I'm excited for you. And and hopefully, uh, you know, similar to Chelsea's situation around the time right before he came in, you know, not only is it bringing in, but, you know, you got to get some players out, which can be difficult when, you know, if you don't want them, then then maybe other people don't either. (laughs) So, um yeah, I think just patience more than anything. You know, if you can get one to two key quality signings in January, I think that would be a great window. Um, and just continue on with the momentum. And you have, you know, the League Cup that's right there. I mean, you're in the semifinals, right, against us. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's a potential trophy in his first year, which could also lead to a lot more momentum. So, Absolutely. I, mean, I agree with everything you said there. And last thing I want to talk about on Spurs is the key word you mentioned there, Walker, to me, what was patience, right? You know, um, games in the league so far five wins three draws zero losses zero losses like, yeah the, the, the results are good like and, and this is with a squad that that needed some picking up right like they they were down bad um but like they, they the performances are better but they're still not anywhere near where i know conte wants them to be or where us as fans want them to be so patience you know if we have a couple losses here and you know uh, let's say we lose to you know Arsenal or we and and bow out of, as a League Cup to y'all or just you know it, we don't need to overreact if we have a little bit of a bad run here. I, that's my personal opinion because we have to trust the process. We have to remain patient. Let Conte do his thing because he said it takes a couple years for a, a team to rebuild like this and become uh, and become a title winner. Right? It's yeah. not going to happen this year if nope. we don't if we don't finish top four this year. It's, I mean, I believe it's in reach, but we don't need to like overreact. We need to let Conte do his thing. So, all that being said, you know, really excited about Spurs. But let's move on here. Uh, Walker, you, um, do you got anything you want to talk about Chelsea in this drama? I know you're a big Chelsea fan um, here, or do you want to just kind of save that for another day? Or what, what are your thoughts look, there? Well, I don't, I don't want to talk too much on it because I think it'll be important to see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. But um, I'm assuming you're talking about Lukaku. Exactly. Big yeah, Rom. so club club record signing, you know, Romelu Lukaku, who we who we bought early in his career, you know, brought him over from Belgium. Uh, didn't really work out right. He was still behind a lot of quality players in the squad. He wanted to go play. He ended up going, you know, West Brom, Everton, Manchester United, and eventually ended up at Inter, where which is really where his career took off. Actually, under Antonio Conte, um, and so you know, we signed him very late in the window. He came back, you know, no preseason, no, you know, no training, um, had played a lot of minutes and international football. And so I wouldn't say he was at 100 percent fitness, Um, you know, because of that, he had some hamstring, other injury issues. He then got COVID. So he kind of bounced in and out of the squad. So in addition to the challenges, you know, physically, mentally, um, you know, in the timing of everything with COVID and no preseason, you know, that's a big uphill battle, right? I mean, it's gonna, it already takes a while for a player to come in and get settled with a new team, especially when you're a goal scorer, you know? And um, and you talk about all the obstacles that have been in his way. It, it, like, I'm not really upset that he hasn't just been bagging um, just because of all the interruptions that he's had. But then he does an interview – few weeks ago with Sky Sports Italy that just came out yesterday about how he's really unhappy. 
he doesn't like the system. He wants to go back to enter. And, you know, like the tweet I sent you, you know, it's one, it's, it's, it's normal for a high profile player sometimes to, to do an interview like that, but he's continued to go back and do interview after interview after interview about this. And now there's multiple now, of course you had Tim Howard this morning reporting that he's been texting with Lukaku that it's really bad and he'll say more next week. And, um, you know, Tuchel made the decision today against, you know, Liverpool, one of our biggest fixtures all year at home, to not even include him in the squad. And I think it's the right decision. I don't think anyone's bigger than the program. I don't think, you know, player power within a squad is bigger than one Premier League game. You know, and, and we've already shown today we can compete with Liverpool. Our issues today have been um, defending, if anything. I mean, our yeah. first goal we, was literally we handed it to them. Excuse my uh, doorbell there. Um, we literally handed it to them. And so – I fully support Tuchel on this. I saw Ian Dark say something like, you know, don't make a crisis out of drama. We'll see if he made the right decision. Couldn't disagree uh, more with that. Um, I mean, no, no one, no one can, can, no one should be able to have the power to where they can go in the media against their coach, especially, you know, when they're probably the highest paid player in the team or one of, and so we'll see what happens. Um, I hate, I hate this. But uh, it seems that, you know, Chelsea Football Club loves drama. <laughs> it kind of comes with the territory somehow. Um, but, uh, no, I'm super happy with where we are. Uh, hopefully this is just a minor blip in the radar. I think about, you know, Hudson Adoy and how he's came on. I know this is different situations as these are younger players, but how he's came on after Tuchel kind of putting him through the ringer. Same thing, Christian Pulisic, right? He's been through some tough times with Tuchel. Um, so, so hopefully that th- th- this kind of irons itself out. But uh, as we know, Lukaku is in the prime of his career. Like, he's 29, right? And uh, he knows what it's like to play at the highest level. So, we'll see. I I, uh, I think it's a wait and see. I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm much less so. Let's see how this plays out and then kind of react react from there. But I am on – I am Team Tuchel here. I couldn't agree more with, with, with him uh, leaving him out today. Yeah, no, I, I support that as well. Uh, we've been talking here this morning about it, and uh, I, I think you're right. It, patience with this situation too, just seeing how it plays out. Um you know, Rom is one of the best goal scorers in the world. Like he, he bags him when he's on form. Uh, he has yet to show that here with Chelsea, but man, it, you, you get him going, you know, him and Tuchel sit down, you know, hash things out and, and he gets fired and y'all are going to be, you know, just as dangerous as, as ever. So um, just waiting, waiting and seeing um, what, what happens here. You know, y'all are in second right now in the league, you know, y'all are in the league cup semifinals against us. It's obviously still in the FA cup. Yep. We're still early rounds there. And you're also and in the champions league, yeah. like in the, in the knockout rounds, like y'all are in a great position. And uh, like you said, hopefully this is just a blip in the radar. Hopefully nothing too crazy comes out of it, but uh, time will. Well, tell. it goes back to your comment about Spurs, right? Like you just have to be patient. I mean, uh, you know, it's a long it, season. We, yeah. We've <laughs> been, a long we've been in really bad. We've been in really bad form. And, um, we're still seeing second, like you mentioned. And so the title race is, is over, which maybe it's not over. Maybe it's a little early to say that, but um, I, I'm, I'm not super worried about it. Our bigger problem is our injuries uh, right now with Chilwell being out long-term. Yeah, Reese. And Reese, Reese is out indefinitely with a hamstring. Um, so and we'll see. You know, Conte's kind of been in and out. Christensen's got a back injury. Silva's been in and out. Uh, Timo Werner has, really, has had a really bad case of COVID. He's still not back. You know, Kai Havertz playing for the first time today you know, in about three weeks. So, yeah. um, I think we're just kind of in survival mode right now. Yep. No, you're still in a good spot, though. Survival mode, but still in a good spot. Um, last thing I want to talk about Premier League uh, before we move on to a little bit of hoops and wrap it up here is uh, just the top four uh, – or, sorry, the, the, the fourth place, last place there in the Champions League um, – kind of battle that we're going to have it's gonna be really exciting walker we because we have arsenal right now sitting in fourth uh west ham just a one point behind them then followed by us two points behind arsenal but with two games in hand and then you have united uh two games in hand four points behind um arsenal there so these four teams arsenal west ham spurs and united it's going to be an exciting uh, yep. last half Very. of the season going uh, for this last Champions League. Like you said, who knows? Chelsea might, Liverpool might, you know, one of those two clubs might have something happen. They drop and it could be a, you know. Yeah, but the COVID injuries, you just never know. You never know. It could be a, a spot or a fight for two spots, but it's definitely going to be a spot, uh, a fight, excuse me, for for one spot there. And, um, and you have Arsenal 
you know, yes, they lost yesterday, but they looked really good. It, it pains me to say it, but uh, no, they, they looked really good in that first half against City. Um, so they've been showing some really good form lately. West Ham have been, you know, pretty dang consistent over the past two years it, of just being incredible. impressive. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, yeah, and just, you know, it's not like they have world-class superstars. They just have solid players that are playing together in a very cohesive way and, and taking the league, you know, you know, by storm here right these past couple of years and uh and then you have united who they've had a, a share of their drama um with ole getting the boot and ralph uh rag how do you say his last name i don't know how no yeah, ralph <laughs> coming in there and uh and then you know you have i mean they have just about as they have as much talent as anybody in the league with you know they're starting 11 um but it's gonna be a battle bro i do i do think i don't say this just because of you i, I do think I think Spurs are probably the favorites just because of the moment, the momentum that you guys have, you know, where you sit with your games in hand. Um, and just me personally knowing Antonio Conte, I, I, I think he's one of the best managers in the world for sure. And so, especially as you guys get more quality in your team, you, you look, you do have a lot of quality, but like you mentioned, there are some areas that need improving. And so, as that happens, you know, I, I expect – I guess my point is I expect Tottenham to continue to improve greatly. Yeah. I, I think Arsenal will continue to get better. I don't know that at the same rate at, yeah. of Tottenham. And then um, United, I, I just don't see it happening for them. I think they're much more on the we have a lot of talent that will carry them as far as, you know, talent can carry them. Uh, they are in good form, you know, four wins out of five, and I expect them to be challenging right there at the end. But um, – I think just defensively what Conte brings um, is what will also help carry you guys. Yeah. You know, he, if you just look at the goals, you know, I've given up, you know, probably I think three or four goals. Maybe. Well, actually, no, you had the two turns Liverpool, I think. I think it's been four goals um, in eight games since Conte. Yeah, that's what it is for. Yeah, I was looking at it. Four goals in eight games. So I think that's really going to take you guys over the top because y'all, yeah. if there's any, if there's anywhere you have quality, it's up front, right? With saying Son and Kane um, and the players, some of the players in behind. I mean, even look at, I was so impressed with Harry Winks watching the game the other day and the ball he played, they eventually, yes. you know, rolled it off for VAR, which was pretty harsh. But um, just the, the the ability to pick up the ball and look up and have the confidence to hit that pass in the channel. Um, we know how Kane is when he gets opportunities like that. And even if you just create one, one and a half more chances like that a game, um, and it's Harry Winks, right? Like, just imagine yeah. <laughs> if the quality yeah. gets better. I mean, it, it's a really exciting uh, spot to be in, so – yeah, and I, I fancy our, ourselves for fourth. You know, I think it's going to come down between um, – I'm going to say between us and Arsenal, to be honest. Uh, I, I think, I, I've just been waiting for West Ham, bro, to, to, to finally hit – like yeah. to come to reality, right, and, and go back to what West Ham has been for a while now. Like, But they, they just keep winning, and they just keep putting in good performances. But who knows? They, they might have um, – I have no a, a doubt they're going to be there at the end. I, I really think they'll be there at the end. I just don't think they'll have enough at the end, you know, maybe in April. So It's going to be exciting no matter what. It's going to be a great um, end of the season, second half. We're really looking forward to it. We will continue to talk about it as the season progresses here. Um, and then we'll also talk a little bit towards the bottom here, you know, in future pods with the uh, relegation stuff as that begins to play out. Will Newcastle be the first team that have a billion dollars to spend in the championship? Um, you will find <laughs> out here soon. Um, but Walker, that was some great prem talk. I want to lastly wrap up, you know, just with a little NBA talk, you know. Um, so we'll move on to that. And the, the first thing in the in this segment that I want to talk about is my man John Morant. Um, that dude's taking it to another level this year. He is he's a, he's a stud. He he is. He is showing this improved gameplay, you know, just continuing to develop each and every game, you know, improving his outside shot, still taking it to the rack when he can. And it has just been awesome to see him take his game to the next level. Uh, and I know we both have a very special place in our hearts for the Memphis Grizzlies. We both work there. That's where we met. Yep. Um, and so it's just exciting times for the Grizzlies right now. They have a, a I'm going to say an, an all-star, right? He, he better be an all-star. Oh, he, yeah, he can easily. even be an all-star starter, you know, if he continues could, this could to, till February. Um, I like Curry, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's exciting, you know, to, to see what the Grizzlies have done, you know, recently here, jaw dropped 41 on LeBron and the Lakers. 
uh, the night before that hit a game winner against the Suns and then followed it up on New Year's Eve against the Spurs with another uh, 30 plus point performance. Like he is just uh, on another, another, excuse me, on another level this year. Yeah. I, you know, that Lakers game, right. They were down double digits in the second half and he really stepped up to carry them. I, <clears throat> what was interesting to me is, you know, early in these, uh, guys' careers, and, and, and I'll say, like, Trey Young, for example, had this, right? Like, are you a good stats on a bad team guy? No, no one – I didn't think that about Ja, but, like, similarly with, with Trey, right? Like, people kind of thought that. There was a coaching change, and I know it was a weird playoff season, but, you know, the Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. He at least showed, hey, I can lead a team on the road. You know, we can go into New York. We can go into Philly and win these games. I, may, I bring that up because with Ja – um, yes, he's been super exciting, and yes, the young Grizzlies have been a lot better. But you know, when he was out earlier this year, the team really went on a run without him. Remember, you know, they won like several games in a, row. in a row or something. Nine in a row. And you, or you started. You started hearing this talk like, yeah. "Well, is John? You know, with John Moran, how he, you know, with his defense and yada yada." And so, I'm so glad, Chris, that he came and just got shut up the haters <laughs> and has really taken his game to the next level and and has continued to elevate. Uh, this Grizzlies team, and uh, I'll give a lot of credit to you know our guys at Clement, who's just done a tremendous job <laughs> reshaping the roster. I don't I don't know that there's another team in the league. You know, there are plenty of teams that, that have higher level of talent, right? But I don't know if there's another team in the league that have as many quality guys, you know, up and down their roster. I'm yeah. sure there are other teams, but they have just done such a good job with their depth. And so when you do that, it really allows you know, your your star players to, to really elevate, right? Because they have those guys to fill in the roles for them. And when he can be confident, right, and other guys taking care, you know, the defense can't sag on him the whole time. And so yeah. uh, you mentioned him his three-point shot. He is he's shooting 40% this year. He's only taken four and a half a game, which, you know, for someone that's just continuing to shoot, improve his shot, I think four and a half a game is, is a good mark, right? And I think yeah. that will continue to grow. And so – it has been really cool to see his three-point play elevate because we know what he can do at the hole. And if he can if he can develop the shot, then he's going to be a problem for a long, long time. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and just a couple of shout-outs to some of the role players. You know, you, you got um, Jaron Jackson Jr., who um, while at times he can frustrate the, you know, the hell out of me, but for the most part, you know, he, he is a, he is a good piece. You know, he does a lot on the basketball court that um, is needed. And then you got Kyle Anderson, uh, Brandon Clark, uh, Tyus Jones, and then Desmond Bain. That was just my, my guy, Des, Des Bain, yeah. you know, um, that dude, his three point shooting is, is really impressive. Um, and so, you know, just great. Oh, and Dylan Brooks, I'm sorry. Yeah, I oh, can't forget him. DB. No, yeah. can't forget him. You know, just a great squad, and you know, you see this fourth, across fourth place in the West right now. Fourth mm-hmm. place, fourth place, pretty comfortably fourth place too. Um, yeah, three three and a half games up on Denver. Um, yeah. Which I, I'm. Do you know when Jamal Murray is he going to make it back for the regular season's over? That's a great question. I don't. I'm, know. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, so they, they've been out. They've been without him, but if he can get back and firing, you know, they're going to be a problem. But last thing on the Grizz, you know, you see this across sports, you know, team chemistry is Mm, um, so important and they just seem to have it, man. Uh, They just seem to be uh, clicking and vibing and uh, it's been really impressive and, you know, well, similar Very to a happy lot of these guys, them. like like a Desmond Bain, right? Like not the most popular name, and you, you can you can say the same for Taylor Jenkins, right? Like he wasn't the trendiest name mm. getting hired, but you know they saw something in him, and they gave him the keys, and you know gave him a roster, and and I, I think that's a part of it too, like the team chemistry flowing down from the top. I mean, it, it it's really cool to see, like you mentioned when we worked there. Uh, there was a lot of transition. You know, they had a really special team for several years with a good core group. And yeah. uh, we talked about rebuilds earlier in a different sport, but they had to go through a massive rebuild and they hit on their draft picks and, and now look where they are. So, yeah, no, uh, really exciting time for the Grizzlies and their fans. And um, moving on here, a couple more topics I want to discuss before we, we uh, head out here is the Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Um, uh, they have been, uh, or, or Steph has been on another level this year. Nah, he has just been in a true MVP form, I think, and um, obviously broke the record for the most threes made. Um, you know, he's going to shatter this, by the way, because he's you know he's going to still be playing for yeah. for years awesome. to come. Yeah. yeah. Um, but dude, they've been doing all this without 
one of the best shooters in the NBA, probably right behind ever, Steph. Ever, yeah, F, yeah. ever, and, ever, ever, and Clay Thompson. <laughs> and uh, touch on that a little bit. What, what do you expect from Clay and the Warriors once he uh, gets kind of firing, gets healthy? Um, I, I expect them to take it super slow. I think he's yes. expected back in about a week. Mm-hmm. I think the 9th of January is when he's predicted to make his comeback. They haven't, I don't think the team has confirmed that, but I know Marcus Thompson, who's, you know, been a Warriors reporter for a while. I think Shams has also reported that. So, Look, it's January night. There's no need for him to play more than like 15 minutes a game um, here at the beginning. And, and and I know they've already taken his rehab slowly, but I think for me the bigger thing for Clay is just the mental challenge of it. I think physically, you know, we know how athletic he is. I think he's probably going to be fine there. I for me though, it's just mentally. Um, I, I don't even know how many days it's been since he's played the his last game. It's probably been something like seven or eight hundred games. You know, seven or eight hundred days, if not more. So, where's he at mentally? Um, but again, when the good thing is when you're in a, an organization like like Golden State. I mean, this is obviously like we talk where the Grizzlies are kind of trending to. When you're in somewhere that has that kind of stability. Um, those kind of players around you, um, you have the support system that you need to get back. And so I don't expect too much from him early on. I would expect him to play maybe 15, 18 minutes a game, probably coming off the bench um, and look to get up, you know, three or four shots a game if he can. And uh, again, let's kind of wait and see, not force him back because clearly they don't need him to play a lot of minutes right now. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, if they could work his minutes up into kind of the low to mid twenties by March and April and have him ready to, to play in the playoffs, um, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a huge addition. So. I mean, shoot, they're, they're sitting at 28 and seven without him. Why, yeah. why rushing back? Just take it slow. Like you said, you know, they're going to make the playoffs, no doubt. Right. And these dudes have played plenty of playoff basketball. Uh, here <laughs> yeah, they know how, they know what it takes. <laughs> they know what it takes. They know the, you know, the, you're going to the, to the finals and you know, how many more games that adds. And, um, there's no need to rush. So, um, but yeah, I expect about right around probably 15 minutes or so starting out, get up a few shots, you know, kind of get back into game shape. And then, you know, once end of the season rolls around, once, you know, first round of the playoffs rolls around, you know, get him, getting him firing. And uh, it's going to be exciting really, for really the Really excited. Warriors. Can't wait to see him make a three. The crowd's going to be crazy. Oh. Be and long. he's been itching to come back. I mean, I've seen him just like, reports that he's just dying to get back and he's putting up shots when you know just before games and you know in the practice facility so he he's ready um but let's see here who we got next walker uh lakers you want to talk about them for a quick second and then i want well, to or, or or yeah what do you think no yeah let's touch on them i think you, okay. you can't go in you know, quick quick nba talk talking about lebron i mean <laughs> first i mean first like LeBron is he's he's just on another level. Um, you know, we, we've we've known this for a while. I think he definitely is going to go down as a top two player, and, and who knows? I mean, there are some people that already think he's the goat. I, I'm just going to leave that up to, for debate. I mean, it, it's really hard to make the comparison. But um, at, at 37 years old, you know what what he is doing? I just want to touch on this first. Uh, 28.6 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game, six six point six assists a game. So just to be able to do that um, at, at his age is is truly it's just a testament to how he takes care of his body, right? And just how special of a talent. Like, I, I know I've, we both haven't been the biggest LeBron fans, but it, it has been crazy to watch his entire career and to think that he's still doing this um, in 2021 or now 2022 is crazy. The, the, the thing, though, to look at is he is at an all-time low in free throw attempts a game. And um, he is in an all-time high in, in – I'm sorry, an all-time low – did I say free throw or three-point? An all-time low in, Okay, so an all-time low in free throw attempts and all-time high in three-point attempts, right? So what that tells me is, you know, he's not looking to get into the lane more. Yeah. He's taking a lot of outside shots. He's only shooting uh, in, in the upper 30s percent from three. So that's something to monitor. It could be a sign of – you know, him slowing down as far as how he's looking to score and if he thinks his body can take it. Or maybe he's just kind of coasting, right, and just looking to get in the playoffs, which is what we really want to talk about. I don't – they're not in danger to miss the playoffs, are they? I don't think so. I, I think LeBron will will do what he needs to do, right, to, to get them into the playoffs now. Will they not? Will they avoid the the playing games there? I don't know that. That's the that's the big question. You know that seven, eight, nine, ten um, spots, but uh, I don't think they're gonna miss it out completely. Um, well, they they need Anthony Davis to come back, yes, right? Yes. We wanted to touch on this roster. You know, look, it's not anything we said. It was pretty widely 
speculated before the year, like what in the world are they doing building this roster? (laughs) Frankly, you know, number one, yes, a lot of old vets that are all kind of washed up. But my biggest thing was like, how is Vogel going to figure out a rotation? You know, all these guys are going to want to play. So, of course, Rondo just got traded away. Um, so that can help alleviate that a little bit. But, um, you know, how will those guys hold up in the long term? Because similar to the vets, I mean, Anthony Davis is still young, but, you know, he's had a lot of injury problems in his career. And so um, I think a- AD probably comes back, you know, February-ish. Uh, I think in, in – uh, let me just see what I just saw here. Let's see, December 18th, they said they, he would be re- reevaluated in four weeks. So – I would assume probably around the all-star break, maybe a little bit before that he comes back. But, yeah, I mean, Russell Westbrook has not been <laughs> very good. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think they're in the play, playing game, and they've got to fight for their lives. And, uh, I mean, I'm not gambling against LeBron, obviously, in a one-game situation. So, yeah. No, kind of a wacky roster setup. You know, a lot of vets, like you said. Like, yeah, you got Melo, you got – uh, Ariza, Avery Bradley. I'm, I'm just going down the, the the list here. Just just some DeAndre Jordan. You know, just some guys that are uh, a little bit older, right? You know, and uh, they're expecting to play. But then you have like the likes of Malik Monk and um, and uh, like Tht, right? You know, these younger guys that are talented that um, are wanting to play as well. So, just how is Vogel going to handle this going into the end of the season? You know, with with the uh, with the injuries and, and you know everything that's going to happen, you know, with you know getting people back, probably people getting hurt, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think they're going to make that play-in game. I think they're going to probably advance and 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 be into the actual playoffs. But uh, something to monitor, something to kind of keep an eye on, you know, as the season progresses. Something to keep an eye on. Talk about your Chicago Bulls, man. Let's My, hear it. Serious feel, dude. I I came into the season just kind of looking through. Some of the teams, some of the rosters side, from the, from, from all team, the, yeah, you 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 absolutely need a side team. But uh, um, just kind of from everything with the free agency to the trades and everything like that, like okay, who who do I want to kind of like follow a little bit? And I didn't really have a team in the East, you know, because I have the Grizzlies and the Mavericks um, in the West, you know, that that are my teams. Uh, but I wanted somebody in the East to to kind of pick and to to run with. And oh man, I, I picked correctly. Um, the Chicago <laughs> Bulls are my. So they are my Chicago Bulls right now. I am loving this team. Uh, one of the most surprising storylines, honestly. You know, you coming in, you they they acquired. I think it was a trade, right? They acquired DeRozan um, in, in a trade with the sign, sign and trade, sign and trade. Yeah, sign and trade exactly. Um, and you know, going into that, you know, DeRozan, he's always been a great player, but you know, was he kind of like kind of towards the end, right? Like, is he still going to be? putting up that mid that mid range production. Is he still going to be putting up the numbers that he did once you know, upon a time there in Toronto? Um, and then they also acquired, uh, you know, Lonzo ball, um, Alex Caruso, Alex Caruso. Right. So yeah. just some, some new pieces that you really didn't know how this was going to fit, but you add those three guys to Zach Levine, uh, Vucevic. And also I really like Kobe white and they have just yeah. built this roster. That is probably one of the most entertaining teams to watch. Um, they DeRozan just hit back to back games with a with a three point game winner, like just going crazy. And uh, I think they're sitting at 23 and 10 first in the 24 East. and 10, 24 oh. and 10 first in the East. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just quick shout out to them, man. I, and I just am loving watching them and uh, expect some very entertaining games and hopefully a really entertaining postseason with them. Yeah, look, they were another sim- not. I mean, similar to the Lakers, not the same situation, but a lot of people question their roster going in. And I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. What he said recently is, you know, DeMar DeRozan spent the past few years in San Antonio, and no one really watches San Antonio. Mm-mm. And so, and myself included, no one knew how DeMar had kind of changed his game, had become uh, a really just – I mean, he's always been a good passer, but an even better passer and, and a better facilitator. And that was my biggest thing with the Chicago team is – Who's going to have the ball, right? Like you mentioned, Levine, who needs the ball? Uh, DeRozan needs the ball. I thought Lonzo's good signs. He can play yeah, off the ball. Exactly. But, but the, the pieces seem to fit so well because, you know, DeRozan did trans, transition his game. And and now, I mean, even this year, he's, he's, a, he's at 37% from three. I mean, again, he's not taking many a game, but even a slight improvement in that, which, you know, you mentioned he's a big mid-range scorer. 
having that ability to trust your three-point shot a little bit more. And you said it. He's hit a couple of game winners. Um, but we'll see. We'll see in the playoffs because, you know, this is a, a really new group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that is still new playing together. And, you know, come March and April when the game slows down and, uh, you know, teams really have a lot more film on you from this year, we'll see. I, I like their chances, you know, early in the playoffs. And I don't really fear anyone down there. Um, at the bottom of the East that I think could really give them a series. Um, but, but when you get later in the playoffs, right, you know, how will they match up against the Miami? How will they match up against the Philly or Milwaukee? You know, that, that'll, that'll be, um, you know, where, where we'll see how, how serious they are. But, but yeah, great side team pick for you. They've mm-hmm. been really entertaining and I don't really see them slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. And like you, I want a quick, quick note. Um, kind of the game slowing down come end of the season towards the playoffs. You know, you got the likes of, of Brooklyn, you know, if they can get their guys um, firing and, or get their guys healthy, them. right? I don't trust them, yeah. Well, when you got Kevin Durant, that that's the guy. And James Harden, yeah. You know, KD is playing very well. And, you know, when, when yeah, he's out MVP there. Level. MVP level. And, uh, and when the game slows down, you want the ball in KD's hands. And, yeah. uh, you know, anybody in the East going to be able to, to, to stop KD because um, they were so close last year, you know, just what a couple inches on a shoe from making it to the next <laughs> round, right? Um, yeah, it was it was really close, yeah. But anyways, it's going to be a great ending to the NBA season, and I this kind of leads us to wrapping it up here. But what I wanted to talk about is, you know, lot to look forward to on this podcast um, coming up uh, right around the All Star break. Uh, I want to sit down with Walker and just kind of give our thoughts on the season, you know, more like more of a, a big podcast on the NBA season so far and kind of look at the all-star games, the all-star starters, kind of maybe our predictions or what our thoughts are there. And then looking for the second finishing closing of the, of the season there and what we expect. So exciting things to look forward to in the NBA here on this pod. And then also uh, a big NFL podcast coming, I think in a couple of weeks is what we, what we decided um, as, you know, as the regular season wraps up here over the next couple of weeks, you know, two more weeks left. And uh, as the playoffs are about to begin, you know, we need to talk NFL. We, 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 I wanted to save that for another podcast Walker, because it's, it's a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. It, it's yeah. a lot, you know, a lot of storylines, a lot of exciting things going on in football there. Um, so yeah, expect that coming here in a couple weeks. And then actually, I believe next week I will be sitting down with my buddy Curtis, a little preview on the golf season. You know, Curtis mm. is a big golf guy, uh, follows the PGA tour pretty closely. So we're going to talk golf and he's also an Arsenal fan. Might try to rag him a little bit. Um, well, I'm ex- I'm excited to listen to that because you got the tournament tournament champions this week, which is really where things start to get ramped yes. up. Right? I mean, it's not quite the West Coast swing, but um, you know we'll be at Pebble the first weekend in February, and so we're just a month away from that, and then we'll be well underway. So I'm excited to listen to that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, fantasy championship on the line for your boy today in our in our dynasty league today. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. Good luck to you, Walker, on that. You know, I, I finally made the playoffs in that league, and um, but uh, I could not. Dude, just I, think I you're, no, you're just like Conte, dude. You got Conte in charge now. You got some better talent. So yeah. Yeah, and we have a fun segment planned for probably once things slows down towards the, the, the summertime there for our fantasy team, but uh, about our keepers and everything. But last thing, and then I want to touch on, look to look forward to is baseball. You know, we are big mm. baseball, big big baseball guys here. We, we love the MLB. Uh, it was one of the most exciting couple of days there um, before the lockout and free agency that I've ever experienced. I'm a Ranger fan. You know, to get Simeon and and Seager was mind blowing, right? Uh, and then Walker's a Braves fan, just came off a World Series win. So we love baseball. We are going to be touching some baseball once. I'm thinking kind of once maybe this. Uh, this lockout ends and maybe we get kind of picked back up on free agency or definitely right before spring training. We'll, we'll touch on some baseball. Maybe, maybe we finally have an answer on where Freddie Freeman's going to go. Exactly. Coming back, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, lots to look forward to. We're super excited about this. I'm super excited about this. Thank you. If dude, congrats. Episode one, dude. Awesome. Dude, episode one down. And uh, if you've listened for 63 minutes and 38 seconds, uh, <laughs> thank you. Right. Um, it, it's going to probably be a slow process getting this out to everybody. But uh, if you have listened, please um, share it, you know, just tell, talk to us, talk to me about, about it. Let me know what your thoughts are, um, what we can improve on, you know, and, and some whatever. But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And Walker, thank you for being our first guest on the Dire Need of Sports podcast. And I, again, you will be a frequent guest. We will talk a lot over the next year. Um, 
and just a great I hope I hope you have a great 2022 in sports uh, but thank you Walker for for joining me thanks for having me man looking forward to it all right well thank you all have a great uh hope you had a great new year's and hope you have a great rest of the weekend and I'll talk to you all soon Thank you.